Hey, thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We are MVF Church based out of Heber City, Utah. If you'd like to check out the live recording of this teaching, you can find that at mvfchurch.com. We're glad that you've joined us today, so let's get into the teaching. Let's jump in to Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 14. And today's uh, sermon is entitled, Reject Him or Follow Him. And we're going to see that some people rejected Jesus and some people followed Him. Um, <clears throat> and I'm sorry, I'm still struggling with the allergies, um, but um, we'll get through this. So just when you see me start to do this, just cover your ears for a second. Um, but uh, it may, many of you may know or heard stories of people who get famous or uh, maybe get very wealthy and people that knew them start treating them different. And you might even be someone like this. You might have kind of risen financially above uh, the rest of the people in your family. And uh, you know that there are some people that just start expecting things from you. You know, and it's one thing to, out of the generosity of your heart, want to gift people with something or to do something to bless them. But it's another thing when people just expect stuff from you. Um, and we, we hear celebrities even sometimes talk about that, how people, they go back to a small town, they're maybe from a small town, and people just kind of want to ride on their coattails sometimes, and rather than just caring about them and loving them for who they are. Well, we're going to kind of see that with Jesus a little bit here. Jesus, it, we, we saw him last week in the wilderness being tempted, and he's coming out of that temptation and beginning his ministry. And so he's been preaching, verse 14 through 15, we see he's been preaching in the area of Galilee and, and uh, probably doing miracles within that. Um, in fact, Matthew, the way Matthew records the story that he, he was, he was doing miracles at this time before he goes back to Nazareth. So he's in Galilee doing these miracles and preaching and word is spreading about him. And got to imagine whenever you're reading narrative stories that you, to tr- it's really good to try to put yourself in the situation of the people. So imagine you got a small town and this guy in Nazareth and this guy go, comes from your, who comes from your town has been out and he's got this ministry that's getting really big. And on top of his preaching, there's, there's miracles that are happening. And then the word is starting to get back to you. Um, Galilee was a big trade area. So people were coming and going all the time. So word is starting to get back to Nazareth about Jesus. And people are like, wait, so this is the Jesus of Nazareth? This is the Jesus that is the carpenter, that's Joseph's son? He's doing all these miracles? And, and, and word is starting to spread probably like wildfire throughout Nazareth. And small towns pretty much have probably been the same throughout history. They love to just talk about stuff, right? Whatever's going on, whatever's happening with people. And so people are probably talking about Jesus. And now we're going to catch him. He's returning back to the town of Nazareth. And imagine the anticipation of the people. Think about what's going through their heads. I mean, you know, this is before video games and the internet and, you know, cool hobbies and stuff that, you know, we, we spend our time and energy a lot on. These, these people, you know, their, their lives are pretty much the day-to-day. And, and so if something was exciting to happening, they, there was a lot of anticipation around that. And so I imagine 
people kind of talking as they know he's coming back into town. And, you know, they're like, do you think he's, do you think he'll do some miracles with us? And then another like, of course he's going to do miracles with us. He's doing miracles with people that he doesn't even know. Another one like, I, I can't wait to bring my sister to him. You know, she's had that illness for years and I, I want to see if he'll, he'll heal her. And then maybe another one, oh, my uncle, we're bringing my uncle to him. He owes us anyway. We used to hire him and his dad for all this work, a lot of work. So he owes us a miracle, right? And people just kind of talking and getting that kind of, feel going about what's going on with Jesus coming back. And it says in verse 16, it says, He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. Now, before we go on, stop there for a second. (coughs) Notice what it says he did. He went to the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus made a custom of going and gathering with God's people to worship, to learn, to grow, and to have fellowship with one another. You know, now think about this. If anyone, if anyone had the right or the ability to say, you know what, I don't really need to go to church. I mean, if anyone, you know, if anyone had the right to go, you know, me and God, we kind of have our own understanding. Right? I, you know, if anyone. Right, And unless you think, well, you know, it probably wasn't messed up like it is today. Um, You know who Jesus was most mad at throughout the history of his ministry? Religious leaders. So I'm guessing it was as messed up as it is today. And yet Jesus made a custom of going and being in fellowship with God's people and learning and growing. And did you know one of the greatest ways to grow is to deal with people you don't like? Did you know that? That's why I've gotten to be a pastor. No, I'm just kidding. Love you. <laughs> right? But that's one of the greatest ways to grow is to, to put yourselves in situations where it's not just you, the people you're comfortable with, and the characters you like on TV. It's actually dealing with people. And so Jesus made a custom of going and gathering and worship. And this gives us a couple insights. First, we know that that was important. Second, guess where all the people were going? See, they knew this was his custom. He grew up there. They knew he was in synagogue every week. So, man, they know Jesus is going to be in synagogue. So probably it's, it's a full day. It's like Easter Sunday for us, right? I mean, it's, it's a full Sunday. It's a Saturday, but it's a full day. And he says in verse 17, it says, And the scroll of the prophet of Isaiah was given him. He unrolled it, the scroll, and he found a place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering the sight of the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now there's a lot to unpack in this passage that he read from Isaiah. Each line proclaims an element of Jesus' Jesus's purpose. First, it starts out by saying he's the anointed one. He is the Messiah. He is the chosen one, the one that is sent. Second, it says that to proclaim the good news to the poor. Well, Jesus' message was to bring the good news of salvation to the oppressed. It says to give sight to the blind. Jesus, we saw him both heal physical blindness, but also to open the eyes of our hearts to the good news. 
to bring liberty to the oppressed. Jesus' ministry was to bring liberty to us both physically and spiritually. And then to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. <clears throat> Did you know the kingdom of heaven, preaching about the kingdom of heaven being at hand, the year of the Lord, if you will, the time of the Lord, was the most preached message of Jesus? Many people think Jesus' primary message was love or hope or peace. Now, all of those are essential elements of the overarching message of Jesus, but his focus was the kingdom of God or the reign of God. Everything else in Jesus' ministry dealt directly with the result of the reign of God. And so Jesus reads this message that Isaiah has, which is known, it would have been known at that time in the age of the waiting of the Messiah as a prophetic message about the Messiah. Now, chances are these people are expecting him to then say something along the lines about when this age is coming or to give them some really good insight about what to expect. But it says, verse 20, he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And all the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is, this, is not this Joseph's son? Now a lot's happening here. All eyes are fixed on him, which makes sense, right? They've all been waiting. They're anticipating him coming. He just read a very important passage. They're like wanting to hear what he's going to say. What, what's he going to expound on this? There's a lot of anticipation. I kind of imagine like a normal, like a, a, a church today, right? I, I imagine, you know, there's different types of people in the audience. You know, here's Jesus. He gets up and he reads from this passage. And remember, he grew up. He grew up going to that synagogue. And so there's probably all these old church ladies like, oh, I'm so proud of him. Look at him. He just, he's just got, he's reading the word. And, and you know, he's got a ministry. You got, you got some of that. And then, then you got his friends who kind of grew up like always like intrigued by his insights into God's word. And, and they're kind of like, like, oh yeah, just taking it in, taking in everything that, that, that he's going to say. They just love hearing him talk. And then he's probably got a few that are even just, their eyes are fixed on him because they're kind of always been a little jealous of him, you know? Uh, always just kind of like, ah, he's so righteous, you know, and just, ugh, you know, you, you know, you always still, even within our, even within churches, you always have a little people like, you know, they're a little too holy for their own good. You know, you have some of those people that think of it that way and, and they're just kind of waiting to judge him. So, so all eyes are on him. And then he says this, he says, today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That is literally the same as him saying, I am the Messiah. He's saying today, now the word today, basically the, is, is not meaning this one 24-hour period. It's like saying now, right? And you, when you say now, it can mean, if I were to say now is the time, or the time is now. That doesn't necessarily mean this moment in time, but it can also mean this, this is the period right? This is the period of this. Uh, that's a way to kind of motivate people. And he's saying, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, then, this is where it gets a little confusing. Luke records, he says, all spoke well of him. Matthew records the same instance in Matthew chapter 13. And he says in verse 57, and they took offense at him. 
So Matthew says they took offense. Now Matthew's word for offense is scandalon. Well, the word scandalon is where we get the word scandalous, right? So we definitely see that Matthew's saying that they were kind of upset. And, and what he said would definitely be a scandalous statement to them. This, now that this homeboy here is going to basically say he's the Messiah, that would sound pretty scandalous, right? You might expect him to even say he was a prophet or that he was, he was going to point the way, but you wouldn't expect him to say that he was the Messiah. So, so Matthew seems to make sense on the, the, the scandalous. Now, when you look at Luke's passage, Luke's passage could be interpreted one of two ways. The literal translation is all were witnessing to him or it could also have a negative connotation of all were witnessing against him. So this is where it gets tricky sometimes in in translating from one language to the next. So for whatever reason, the translators chose to take the positive connotation to this um, and (coughs) where Matthew definitely shows the negative we don't know exactly what, what Luke meant here. But it is interesting that the next phrase is, is not this Joseph's son? Now, once again, that could have a positive thing, right? It could be like, isn't that Joseph's boy? But it could also be like, this, this is Joseph's kid that's saying this, right? Right, you see the difference? Now, I'm not really sure how exactly we should interpret this, but it does take a quick turn. Now, remember, even if it was a positive connotation, Jesus doesn't have to guess what's in people's hearts. See, we, always, we have to guess what's in people's hearts. Jesus doesn't. And think about this. Jesus knew their hearts. And while they might have been marveling at him, there was also probably a combination of doubting his words and then also this desire to have him fulfill selfish needs for them. Right? That, okay, well, if you are this, then you should do this for me. And so he says, verse 23, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in our hometown as well. And he said, I truly, I, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in this hometown. And then he goes on to share an illustration of how the prophet Elijah didn't know of personal miracles in, in his hometown, but instead he only did any ministries like that to foreign, a foreign widow as a way to illustrate that I'm not going to do anything for you people. I'm not going to do, do this for you because he knows their hearts. He knows that for whatever reason, there's either this, this selfishness of them wanting to ride on his coattails, them wanting to claim him, because that's another thing, right? They want, so maybe he is the Messiah. We want to claim that, right? Come visit Nazareth, home of the Messiah. <laughs> you know, I can, I can picture, yeah, anytime I always think about that, I, you know how people, like, if someone gets famous, they dedicate the, the town to him or they give him the key to the city. I always think of, like, movie Rocky. Remember Rocky Three? He gets the big statue made to himself. Um, and, you know, it's like, like you know, this idea that, look, we, you, you're where we're, we're where you're from, right? So, so there could be that. They could have this just, they, they, they selfishly want him to perform miracles from him or for them. So Jesus, for whatever reason, he wasn't measuring up to their expectations. He didn't want to do what they wanted him to do. He didn't, 
He didn't perform like they wanted him to perform. So they get angry, and we're going to see they reject him. Now, here's a question I want to ask you. What do you want from Jesus? What is it you want from Jesus? See, Jesus didn't do what they wanted. And I think a lot of times people want stuff from Jesus. When Jesus already did the greatest thing that he could ever do for you. Jesus already died on the cross to take your sins. He took on our sin. He owes us nothing. And sometimes we kind of have this idea of like, Jesus, I, I need Jesus to do this for me. Now, Jesus may heal you. Jesus may heal your loved one. Jesus may work out your work situation, your home situation. He might free you and give you li physical liberty here on this earth. But that's not why Jesus came. And I think a lot of times we want Jesus to perform like a seal and do things as we want him to do. And when he doesn't, we get upset. See, yes, Jesus healed people. Jesus healed lots of people. But did you know for every person Jesus healed, there were a thousand that he didn't heal? You know, there were whole leper colonies. You know, lepers could not, once you had leprosy, you were shunned. You couldn't live with anyone. People were afraid they would get leprosy from you. So they were shunned. They literally had to be at least 10 feet away from other people when they walked on the street. They literally had to say, unclean, unclean, as they walked through the street so people could move out of their way. And Jesus healed a few lepers. That's true. But, you know, there were whole colonies of them. You know, one time in the scriptures you see recorded that Jesus said, hey, you know what, before we go, we're going to stop over this leper's colony and heal everyone. Not one time. Why? Because that wasn't his purpose. And I think sometimes we have this idea that Jesus is supposed to do everything for us, make our life all fit nicely, and we forget that Jesus says, I call you to take up your cross. We forget that when people said, hey, I want to follow you, he says, okay, cool, go sell everything. Hey, I want to follow you. Okay, cool. Just so you know, you're not going to have a home if you follow me. And we Americanize the gospel to think that blessings mean capital gain. But that isn't the gospel. The good news is that Jesus died for us on the cross and took away our sins. So I throw that out there to say, be careful what you attach to your faith. Nothing wrong with believing that Jesus can heal you and Jesus can do the, give you what it is you're looking for. But don't attach that to your belief in Jesus. Your belief in Jesus should be based completely on the fact that he knows that this is a blip in time that you're living, but he gives you the hope of eternity. Let's move on. Verse 28. It says, when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which of their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. Now, this might seem pretty extreme, right? I mean, it definitely makes me nervous to preach sometimes, you know. But, um, <laughs> but, but, but it seems a little extreme. We, when we live in a culture that's very civilized. But you got to know that this still happens today in some cultures. I was just in Uganda two years ago, and our host told us two specific stories 
that he himself witnessed of mob justice, where one man did a hit and run, hit a pedestrian and kept going. And so when he got stopped, the car, like literally cars followed him. And, pe- and when he got stopped, and people got him, gro- dragged him out of his car and beat him to death. And then another one where, where someone stole from something and, and they, they beat him, not to death, but beat him bad. So this still happens in today in some cultures. I mean, we, we've seen that kind of recently, even within some of the riots that we had, we've had in the last few years, right? Where, where people get bent up about something and if someone says the wrong thing, their, their life is in danger. So we have to be, put that in the context of this. But, but mob justice was something very common in those days. And you've got to remember the Jewish people of faith, a religious offense was the greatest offense. So, so this is a huge thing that he's done and they're confronting him on this. It was enough to incite them, but it says that he escapes. Now we don't know, Luke doesn't specifically word this as if it was a miracle. Jesus may have somehow either convinced them or may, may have been able to get out, but, but we, it also would make great sense that it would be a miracle that Jesus wasn't going to let the whims of a few hundred angry people ruin the purpose of him coming. So we don't know for sure. Now, from here, Luke wants to show his readers that Jesus was establishing himself and having power over both spiritual and physical powers. But he was also breaking barriers. So he's rejected in Nazareth, and he leaves Nazareth. But then he goes on. And in the rest of the passage, which we're not going to read, you can read that on your, in your own personal reading. <coughs> um, it shows that he was, was moving, the Spirit was moving in other places. And I just want to point this out because it's true today. When Jesus is rejected in one place, the Spirit moves somewhere else. When Jesus is rejected in one place, the Spirit moves somewhere else. We see it all throughout history. Where did, the, where did Christianity start? In Israel. And it grew a little, but, but overall, faced a rejection, where, so it moved to Europe. It became uh, a very dominant religion in Europe, but began to, began to be corrupted. And people's hearts got hardened and it became about religion instead of walking with, with Christ. And it moved to the U.S. And now we're seeing over the last 50 years, Christianity, Christianity being more and more rejected, being, becoming more and more, less and less a, what would be considered a Christian nation. And where do we see faith moving? To Asia. So you see this throughout history when, when a, a culture rejects Jesus, the Spirit moves somewhere else. But verse 31 through 37, he shares a story of Jesus preaching and freeing someone from a demon. Um, And then verse 38 through 41, he shares a story of him healing Peter's mother-in-law as well as many other people. So we see these stories of Jesus breaking down these barriers, these physical, spiritual barriers, healing people, preaching the gospel, but I want us to jump down to verse 42. Let's pick up there. It says, And when it was day, he departed, 
and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. And he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judah. Notice, what purpose was he sent for? To preach the gospel. See, the purpose that Jesus came for was to bring good news. Jesus' purpose was to bring good news. But notice here the exact opposite response the people had of Jesus. The exact opposite. Where Nazareth rejected him, the people here received him. And they wanted him. And they wanted nothing more to ha- than to have him with them. And I really truly think a lot of it came down to expectation. Where that Nazareth expected something from him and didn't get what they wanted. And these others didn't have an expectation, but were just thankful for what Jesus gave and what they received. But Jesus was clear about his purpose. Jesus came to preach the good news and to to put the call out to everyone about the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't come to this earth to do miracles. He didn't come to heal people of their physical brokenness or to, to even heal them of their temporary spiritual bondage on this earth. He came to point and pave the way for us for eternity. That's why Jesus came. And we have to choose whether or not we accept him on those terms. That he's not going to give you everything you want in this life. He's not going to make life easy. But he will always give, give and point the way to the hope that we have with eternity. And I'll close with this. <clears throat> Sorry. That is still the purpose of the church today. The purpose of the church today is to bring the good news. That's why the church exists. The word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which is made up of two words. Ek, which means out, and kaleo, which means to call. Now think about that. That means we are being called out. We are the called out ones. And in fact, it, it actually is the term of an assembly. It's an assembly that is called out. So it has two meanings. It means that we are called into assembly. Jesus calls us to assemble together as the ones that he has called. But it also means that we are to go out. We are to go out into all the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the church. That's the power. That's the only power that the church has. I mean, I, ladies, I want to encourage you, if you already had a mom, Mosa, you know what that means? That's, that there's, no, there's no, don't expect the champagne. It's just the sparkling. If you haven't had a mamosa, have one. Have one. If you had already had one, have two. There, you can't be overserved. I promise. Um, there's, there, there's, have as many as you want. We got plenty. But we can, and we, you know, we had an awesome ladies' tea. How many ladies went to the ladies' tea yesterday? Just clap. Well, all right. I think we had like 75 ladies there. Um, so we had an awesome ladies' tea. That's awesome. It's great. 
We can have awesome women's ministries. I think we have an amazing youth ministry. I think we have a great kids program. I think there, there are so many things we can have. We have an awesome men's ministry that guys get together and, and do things and have fun. We can have an awesome building. You know what? We can't do any of that as well as the world. You know how many organizations our size, if they were to build a building like this, would have just spent twice as much money and done it quicker? You know how many organizations can gather people and just, you know, have fun and do great things and get people excited? Lots of them. The only power we have is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only power the church has, the only thing it has that separates us from the rest of the world is the cross and the resurrection. And so that is why we have to stay streamlined focused in that area. We are called out. Now this has two applications for you guys. First, I just want to say this. If you're here today and you have never made a decision to have a personal walk with Jesus, to know him in a personal way and learn what it means to submit your life to him. And you would love to know what the hope of eternity would be like and to have assurance in that. Then please do not leave here without talking to someone. You can come by and visit me at the Welcome Center. You can find someone with a lanyard. If they, if they can't help you that much they will they'll go grab someone and and point you to that person and 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 help you through that please don't leave here cuz it's not a matter of whether or not you're dedicated to a church it matters of whether or not you're dedicated to Jesus but second for most of us in this room who I know have a personal relationship with Jesus please don't remember that Jesus has already done the greatest thing for you that he could ever do. Hang your faith on that. He took on your sins so that you can have eternity with him. And we are called to share the good news with others. I'm just going to say one more thing about something we're doing as a church. In three weeks, or it might be two weeks now, on Memorial Day weekend, we as a church are going to be called out. We're not going to be in this building. We're, we're going to go be the church. We're going to go serve in this community, sharing the love of Jesus with, by just being the hands and feet of Jesus and building relationships with people. Now, a lot of people see that as a week to go, oh, you know, there's no service. No, there is service. There's you servicing. Yeah. There, there's a service. Come service. Okay? Don't, don't, don't not come. Now, if you already have plans for Memorial Day, whatever. No, no Memorial Day weekend. No, no guilt. But, but don't, don't miss it. Because I can promise you, the people who come to it, they're usually ones going, we should do this like once a quarter. Right? They're, they're, they're the ones that, because it's, it's, it, you're going to have a good time but you're also going to just get to love on people through an act of service. And notice, why did Jesus do miracles? It was the point that he had something to offer. You can't do a miracle, but you can mow someone's lawn. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for, for all that you do for us, for all that you've already done.
God, help us to hang our faith on that. And then to, to pray and hope and believe that you can do so much more. But it's not required. We love you simply because of who you are. God, if there's anyone in here this morning who does not know the hope that comes from you, God, I pray that your spirit would just convict them, pierce them, to, to not leave here without talking to someone to point them to you, to walk them through it, to talk them through it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you enjoyed this teaching, we would love to have you join us for a live gathering. We are located at 271 North, 600 West in Heber City, Utah. If you need more information about us, including our gathering times or previous teachings, you can find all that at mvfchurch.com. And make sure you follow us on social media too. See you next time.